It's at six and a half minutes past twelve. This is Midday Live, SFM 104 to 107. Hello and welcome to your Friday edition of the show. My name is Bongi Kuala, together with you till one this afternoon. Some of the stories still to come. Emergency services are still on the scene of a bus accident between Queenstown and Kofimvaba in the Eastern Cape, which has claimed the lives of four people. So we'll be talking to uh, Arrival Live spokesperson Tsepo Machaya there. And uh, also we'll go to South Sudan, where uh, Brit- uh, the British government is continuing to evacuate uh, Britons fleeing fighting in uh, that country after three United Nations peacekeepers were killed amid escalating violence. And, uh, of course, South Africa has started well. Uh, in India now are 23 for one. This is uh, the third day of the first test uh, between the two countries being played at the Wanderers. I hope uh, they'll leave some wickets for us so that uh, after the show we're able to go there and watch what's left of that particular cricket. Uh, Natalie Gimanos will come through around about uh, half past 12, uh, just uh, to bring us up to speed with that uh, particular game. And uh, it's uh, day four of uh, NUMSA's uh, Congress, and it's the last day there today, uh, and the union has had heated discussions around uh, its position within COSATU challenges facing the Trapatat Alliance and uh, NUMSA's approach to next year's elections. Let's talk now to the Deputy General Secretary of NUMSA, Carl Klute. Mr. Klute, good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us again. Good afternoon, Bongi, and good afternoon to your listeners. Broadly, what was achieved by this uh, Congress? Well, I should say the first thing that we're extremely proud about is the fact that uh, this four-day NUMSA Special National Congress demonstrated the highest levels of unity. And that could be seen in the fact that the replacement of Cedric Gina as the former president um, went so well that all nine NUMSA regions unanimously elected Andrew Chirwa as the NUMSA president and then the replacements in the National Office Bureau Collective. There was no dissent, there was no division, as was preached by our detractors. No open letter had any effect. In fact, workers here rejected unanimously the open letter directed to them from the South African Communist Party. In rejecting that letter, what then, what position did they adopt? I know the con- Congress not com- uh, uh, reached the, the last line yet, but uh, what, what were some of uh, the the resolutions that were adopted? Well, the, we are about to present the declaration of the Special National Congress uh, uh, in the next uh, two minutes. Um, in that declaration, workers are very clear that the state of the South African working class and the poor with respect to poverty, unemployment and inequality is such that you need an independent, reliable, revolutionary working class party that would ensure that the aspirations and the dreams and the hopes of the poorest of the poor would be met. And therefore, we are very clear when we say there is no better time than now if we want to respond to the needs of our people for the most resolute implementation of the Freedom Charter. In that uh, declaration, do you also say that uh, NUMSA is uh, still uh, an affiliate of COSATU? Do you say that NUMSA will campaign with COSATU for the ANC in, in the 2014 elections? 
we have in this Congress refused to play to the propaganda that says Nomsa is leaving Kusatu. We are not leaving Kusatu. In fact, on the contrary, our work, our campaign, our conversation with in Kusatu would be that Kusatu needs to be reclaimed as an independence, as a militant, as a revolutionary, anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist organization. And that we must refuse that we hand over Kusatu to right-wing forces that want to accept the status quo and go on the path of a new liberal uh, trajectory, and therefore we stay within Kusatu. In your declaration, do you continue to call for President Jacob Zuma to step down as uh, uh, put forward by your president, Mr. Chiro? The discussion in this National Congress was to the effect that we can see no difference, absolutely no difference, between the regime of uh, former President Thabo Mbeki. We can see no difference in the current administration insofar as the macroeconomic policy of our country is concerned. We had gear, we now have the National Development Plan, and basically what we are confronted with is a continuation of those conservative policies. And in that respect, we are very clear that basically we think the time has come in the same manner that everyone complained about Thabo Mbeki, that we speak to the fact that we have moral issues with the presidency, we have serious issues of state resources, and the manner in which the new liberal project continues to um, exist in our own country. Mr. Klute, what about the view that, uh, in fact, that NUMSA is uh, still with with Kosatu, really, is... is uh, uh, that the, the, the senior leadership of, of NUMSA was defeated by, by the, the, the delegates. There was, a, there was an agitation really from, uh, in particular, Mr. Jim for NUMSA to leave, but uh, Jim and, uh, and whoever is supporting him were defeated by, uh, by the delegates there, by the workers. Um, that's an absolute lie. All right, so that line dropped just there uh, as uh, uh, Mr. Carl Klute was uh, explaining uh, the, the, the view uh, that is uh, coming through now that uh, the leadership of NUMSA was indeed defeated by the delegates, by the workers who chose to stay uh, in Kosato. It would have been nice, really, if we, we got that response from him. But uh, earlier on, I caught up with uh, an independent labor analyst, Terry Bell, uh, to get to the bottom of why this Congress was so necessary exactly what I expected, and the first thing is that I never expected them to even make a move about leaving Kosatu. I expected a lot of radical rhetoric, which we got, about anti-imperialism, etc., but their whole tactic has been not to leave Kosatu, which the Communist Party has actually been pushing them to do, but rather to reform Kosatu by taking it over. Not Nungsa taking it over, but they refer to the rank and file taking it over, and at the moment I would actually say that Probably the central executive, the majority of the central executive committee of Kosatu don't have the majority support of the rank and file in NUMSA. So if there was a special Kosatu Congress now, there's a chance that Sudumut Lamini, um, Sokwana, the rest of them, uh, Fikile Majola, would, would be dumped, and we'd get maybe even Zolanzi Mavavi back.
but there will have to be a special Kosatu Congress, and even to do Dominia said it will be September next year. Nomsa can wait. Even the threat that uh, they would leave Kosatu, why, why the threat? And uh, why would the SACP want them out of uh, the, the Federation? What, what is the irritation all about? Well, the irritation is all about the fact that, well, there was a move to get rid of Vavi because, and that was at the last Congress where you were as well, they wanted to get rid of Vavi then because he was too critical of the Zuma presidency and the present orientation, uh, economic and otherwise, of the um, present government. So they wanted to get him out, and that was the majority. But the majority of the rank and file are pretty angry about the way things are going. And in any event, you've always had this contradiction, certainly since 1996, of the labor movement as a whole, including Kosaju, having a diametrically opposed economic policy to that of the government and those in government and the ANC. So that contradiction came to the surface. I think Irvin Jim, the general secretary of NUMSA, and those around him have correctly assessed the mood on the ground of their members. They've been pushed from below. And I think they correctly read that. I've also heard, of course, that uh, Sidhu Plamini, uh, Zokwana, Majola are on the list for the ANC for Parliament, either provincial or national. So, you know, this also complicates matters. Has this call to leave Kosatu rattled some, some feathers uh, in, in Kosatu itself and even in the, in the alliance itself? I think it's really been very, very worrying. Uh, within Kosatu, particularly within the union movement as a whole, because if Kosatu had to split in any way, it would weaken the labor movement, it would weaken the power, not just of the Kosatu unions, but of all unions, Naktu, Fedusa as well. It would weaken the labor movement across the board. But there is a great concern, and the people who pushed the, the idea of a split, Nomsa sort of hinted at it, but that's just uh, a bit of the old uh, brinkmanship of saber-rattling, just threatening, but there was no real intention, I don't believe, at this stage to, to split. There may be a minority within NUMSA people who say, well, let's go out and let's form our own Labour Party or something, but I don't think that's on the cards at the moment. But would it be correct to read it as a, a political uh, manoeuvring? Because here we hear of, for instance, a uh, Evan Jim positioning himself to take over as the general secretary of COSATU, therefore then Vave would be the deputy president of uh, the ANC and that, that uh, visit to Nkandla to talk to President Zuma about it. Is it all about that or is it much, much more than, and bigger than that? Bongi, you've hit it on the head. That's exactly what it's all in aid of because what they want to do is they're arguing, correctly of course, that the numerically largest grouping within uh, the tripartite alliance headed by the ANC is in fact Kosatu. So if they take over Kosatu, then of course they should also have the biggest say within the alliance and therefore the ANC. So the object has always been, I mean this is initially the Communist Party's object under their medium term vision, their MTV, uh, which was to seize control of all the leading positions in order to dramatically and radically transform the economic and social policies of the country. So I think they've merely adapted it themselves. They maintain that the present leadership of the Communist Party under Bladen Zamande, because don't forget, Vavi and Jim, all the others were also members, were, I think, I don't think there are any more members of the Communist Party until very recently. They've merely taken over the same tactics and the same ultimate strategy of seizing control of Kosatu on the basis of democracy, 
then the ANC, in order to transform the economy to, uh, it's still a very ill-defined form of socialism. I don't know what they mean. And some would say then that uh, Jim is uh, negotiating in bad faith, uh, putting a gun uh, in the head of the president to say, give me this, if you don't, I walk. Well, you see, that's what politics is all about. Let's face it, we have the votes, we have the electoral muscle, if you will. If you don't do what we say, you're behaving in an undemocratic manner because we represent the majority or we represent a sizable minority or whatever. So if you want our support, you have to actually adhere to our policies. I mean, that's what, let's face it, that's what politics is all about. Importantly, and even bigger than individuals here, is is the issue of the policy of one union, one industry. And uh, NUMSA is is ready to break uh, that kind of policy right now. What do you make of that? Well, it's, it's always been a policy on paper. If you have a look at the affiliates of Kosatu, they are full of contradictions. For example, you've got Denosa and you've got the South African Democratic Nurses Union, and they've never said a thing about it. You've got three public sector unions, Nihawu being the biggest one, and they've always been poaching from one another. Throughout the, the period from right from the early 90s, NUMSA has always had members on the mines, the metal workers on the mines, welders, etc. Nothing's been done about it. So they have had this policy since the 80s of one industry, one union, and they've observed it in the breach throughout. Now, of course, that it's come to a head, you now have a big argument about NUMSA poaching members. But what about Nihawu? What about Pawusa? What about uh, the Genosa uh, Sandu as well? Post this uh, Congress, when every everyone involved uh, look back who won the day well i think it was just predictable that the day was was uh, already won by whatever was going to happen there and that was that they confirmed that nomsa seems to be fairly solid in terms of its uh, support for its present leadership and that uh, they're preparing themselves for the big battle and the big battle is going to be the special kasatu congress which by its constitution has to be held the fact that it's not been held now is, I think, largely because people like Sadu Dlamini and what have realized that they haven't had time to marshal whatever forces they have. They need the time. So I think we are going to see a lot of activity trying to win friends and influence people for the Kosatu Special Congress, where I think that is where we'll see the, the final game plan. And uh, that was uh, Terry Bell. He is an independent labor analyst talking to us a bit earlier there as uh, NUMSA's Congress reps today. It's the fourth day uh, of that uh, Congress. We spoke to Carl Clute earlier on, who is uh, the Deputy General Secretary at uh, NUMSA. It's uh, 21 and a half minutes past 12. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Top stories this hour, Economic Freedom Fighters leader Julius Malema has appeared in the Funded Bay Park Magistrates Court on charges of speeding. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,195.53 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,325 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand 42 cents against the US dollar. It's at 17 rand 2 cents to the pound and it's trading at 14 rand 21 cents to the euro. SAFM is your radio station, so we want to hear what you have to say. We value your inputs and opinions on our programming. The format works for me well. In fact, my day won't be complete without SAFM. And why have you got an SABC representative on that program? It's, it's for editors. 
Not SABC rap. I love these signing programs. I love hearing everybody's comments. You know, it seems that SAFM is becoming the voice of the dominant global elite, you know, not the ordinary uh, man in the street. I think SAFM is doing a pretty sterling job. Email us, jozi safm.co.za. Fax us on 011-714-5829. Or comment on our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. Thank you for taking the time to provide us with your feedback. This will be carried forward as we think about the future of SAFM's programming. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 23 minutes past 12, indeed, uh, SAFM 104 to 107. Uh, we highlighted that NUMSA's uh, Congress is wrapping today, and we spoke to Carl Klute today. Uh, and uh, also we spoke to Carl Klute when uh, they started this uh, Congress. But also we spoke to Alex Mashilo, who is the SACP spokesperson, when uh, the Congress started. And uh, Mr. Mashilo, you're on the line right now, and uh, again, as the, the Congress wraps up, but importantly, you want to highlight uh, some of the issues that were raised in our interview with uh, uh, Mr. Kluter, but importantly with uh, Mr. Terry Bell. He's making a point that uh, the SACP has always wanted uh, NUMSA out of the Federation. What's your reaction? Particularly, we wanted to react to that, and uh, uh, good afternoon to listeners as well. Uh, in the first place, within NUMSA, there are members of the South African Communist Party. There is just no way that the South African Communist Party will have a program to push out NUMSA from COSATI because by so doing, the SACP would be pushing out its own members from COSATI. For over the years, the South African Communist Party's program has been part, has been to work together with COSATU and its affiliates to build the unity of COSATU and its affiliates, to build the unity of the working class under the COSATU principle of one industry, one union, one country, one federation, because as the SACP, we believe that there is nothing that can uh, assist the working class to achieve uh, a victory against the system of exploitation if they are not united. Mm. If you go to all of our documents, we have consistently been saying that uh, the Corsatus unity is, is sacrosanct. And uh, in particular, our interventions as the SACP throughout the entire process, even when NUMSA Congress started, has been a call for unity of Corsatu, and that unity of Corsatu includes unity of NUMSA and unity of NUMSA in Corsatu. But Mr. Mashila, it's, it's no secret that uh, you, you, you really have an irritation with uh, 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 NUMSA right now. I mean, your open letter says it all. Now, the, the, the open letter engages with some issues, and in the open letter there is no weight, no alphabet that is spelling NUMSA out of Kosatu. The open letter is engaging with particular issues, which you can refer to as issues of irritation. Yes. But in its essence, the open letter, in fact, if you read the open letter, called on delegates to NUMSA Congress to reject the postures that suggested that there would be a breakaway from Kosatu as well as a breakaway from the alliance. And we will indeed be happy that uh, that particular breakaway, which has been a threat all along, uh, to break away from Kosatu, to break away from the alliance 
which has been a threat on our law. We would be happy if at the end of the Congress that particular threat is closed down and a clear and unambiguous message is sent out to say that there will be no breakaway from COSATU as well as there would be no breakaway from the alliance. NUMSA, is, partic- NUMSA is staying put, is not, is not leaving COSATU. Uh, are you satisfied? But they are saying that they won that Congress, even if it means they go to court. No, no, that is a COSATU matter to deal with. Remember that as the SACP, our essential message about the challenges that COSATU is faced with is that we need to respect the internal mechanisms, internal processes within COSATU. And whatever we do as COSATU's allies must be after engaging with COSATU. And we believe, as the SACP, that COSATU, NUMSA included, have sufficient capacity to overcome all the challenges that COSATU is faced with. Would you support as SACP as a special congress, uh, a COSATU special congress, as... Uh, 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 called by NUMSA. <laughs> Unfortunately, the SACP has no voting rights. But would you, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an alliance partner, would you, would you even suggest it to them? No, to start with, the COSATU constitution does not allow us to even make that particular suggestion, right. as well as to participate <laughs> in whether or not there must be a special congress. Hey, thank you very much, Alex Mashilo, spokesperson for the South African Communist Party at uh, 27 and a half past 12. We go to the Eastern Cape now, where emergency services are still on the scene of a bus accident between uh, Queenstown and Tsofimvaba. Uh, uh, which uh, has claimed the lives of four people. Let's uh, talk now uh, to the arrival of spokesperson Tsepo Machaya. Mr. Machaya, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Dad. Bring us up to speed with the latest there. Well, the, the latest is that the road has been cleared. The bus was actually lifted and uh, there was no one found to be underneath the bus. And then at this stage with the number still of fatalities are still standing at three, being two males and uh, the driver was a male. And 20 of the passengers have been taken to Frontier Hospital. They are quite serious. And then one has been airlifted to East London. There are those that escaped unhurt. All right, we need to clarify this. So the, the fatalities uh, now, it, the number is at three, not four. It's actually three. The fourth person that was counted is the one that has been airlifted to, 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 to East London. It was actually found that it is still actually breathing. Oh, okay. And and uh, how is uh, how is the accident scene right now? You know, everything now from the scene is clear. The bus has been removed. All the people have been removed, and the emergency services, all of them, they have left the scene. So, from your preliminary in- investigations, and I know it's very very early days, but what wh- what is the sense that uh, you're getting uh, that the cause of the accident that is? Well, so far, there's a, there's a guy that was driving the truck, of which it is claimed that the driver of the bus was trying to avoid collision with it. He's still under questioning at the Bolotov police station. Then, after everything has been done with him, then I think we'll be in a position to say he possibly might have been the cause of that particular accident. And uh, have you been able to get in contact with uh, the families of the de- deceased? Not as yet. They are still unknown. We are waiting even for the owner of the bus, he told me that he's coming down to, because it was around uh, areas of, of Transkai as well, and then he was just going to go to Queenstown also to assist us there, because the passenger loading list, I think, will take us somewhere. Are you able at this stage to tell us the operators of, of this bus, uh, for instance, and where was it from and where was it heading to? 
it was from Cape Town and the Western Cape and coming down to the Eastern Cape, quite the number of towns were actually loaded in a bus. Well, towns like I do job at and some of them were going to areas like Umtata. So it was quite a number of towns in Umtata, I mean, in the Eastern Cape that the bus was actually going to go to. Okay, but you are unable at this stage at least to tell us the operators. Not really. Not at this stage, really, I'm unable. Okay, no, we respect that. Thank you very much. It's Pomachai, the spokesperson for Arrive Alive. It's uh, 12.30 right now, and uh, we say hello to Shadow Twala. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you very much, Natalie. 25 minutes to 1. This is a Midday Live 104 to 107 on SAFM. We go to Madagascar now, where voting in a presidential runoff aimed at uh, pulling the Indian Ocean Island out of the political and economic doldrums and restoring uh, democracy uh, is underway. The observers and locals hope that uh, the vote will end the crisis uh, sparked by Andre Rajolina's coup four years ago, which paralyzed much of uh, the government and caused foreign donors to cancel aid. Both Rajalina and the man he ousted in March 2009, Mark Ravalomanana, have been blocked from running amid international pressure over fears of a return to violence. Joining us on the line right now to discuss this is uh, the AU Election Observer Mission Head in Madagascar, Ibrahim Asal. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, sir. What can you tell us uh, right now? Has the uh, voting started the presidential runoff, and uh, what is the situation like? Yes, indeed, the voters, the vote has started time at 6 a.m., and uh, so far, so good. Number one, because uh, we were all concerned about the weather, and uh, thanks God, the weather in and in most part of uh, uh, Madagascar, I hope, the weather is fine. This is a very important factor because it can encourage voters to go to the polling stations. Number two, the vote began on time and the people are attending the in the water station to do their duties and uh, in a very quiet manner, in a very peaceful manner, we have not noticed until now any incident throughout the country uh, because AU has uh, observers throughout the country and until now we have not noticed any incident. Uh, number three, I think the organization of the water of the of the votation has immensely improved from the first round, uh, and we all uh, encourage uh, the Senate, the Electoral National Independent Commission, which has done a wonderful job of training, of education, and of improvement of the administration. And number, uh, at last, I shall say that I believe that if this atmosphere continues, we will have good results at the end of the day. Earlier, it was reported that the greatest fear, fear really was, was uh, over violence uh, in, 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 that, uh, in that region. 
and uh, that was the main main issue. But the issue of uh, pilots not reaching some parts of uh, Madagascar. So you're telling us right now that uh, all those uh, things have been sorted. There is no problem with that. For the time being, for the time being, once again, we have noticed uh, uh, no incident. And uh, as far as uh, communication is concerned, uh, the Senate has been uh, supported by uh, uh, SADC uh, organization uh, and uh, five uh, uh, helicopters are available for communication and gathering of the uh, of the water uh, peoples. In terms of voting itself and, uh, you know, people from of Madagascar going to vote, what are you seeing and what are you hearing from your colleagues from who are deployed in, in the greater part of, uh, of uh, Madagascar? Uh, we have not had any uh, incident. Is this the sense of your question? In terms of numbers, are they out in numbers to vote? Are you seeing an increase from the initial vote? Uh, in this uh, presidential runoff, or you don't see uh, long queues this time around? There are long queues, but it is very early and even too early to make uh, really an assessment. I think uh, we will have advice for the rest of the day, and by the end of the day, we can make an assessment. And uh, the, the, the polls are open f- only for today, and uh, after this, uh, you're going to close, and you're going to then publish the, 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 the results of the president of the country. Yes, uh, the Senate, which is the electoral uh, uh, independent uh, commission of Madagascar, has planned to begin collection uh, at the end of the day or tomorrow, and uh, is planning to have the first uh, unofficial results uh, by seventh uh, of January and even earlier, if possible. Okay, we thank you very much, uh, Ibrahima Sal, who is uh, the AU Election Observer Mission Head uh, deployed in uh, Madagascar. There, and uh, you know that uh, the presidential uh, uh, candidates there are proxies. Uh, proxy candidates for the ousted president and uh, his uh, ASAPA uh, going head uh, to head there in the election. There is a medical doctor, Robinson Jean-Louis, and uh, also there is a Harry uh, Rajanarimapiana. Uh, yes, if I got that right. Uh, so they, they are representing, some would say, uh, Andrew Rajalina and Mark Ravalomanana. It's 19 minutes to one. This is a uh, SFM 104 to 107. We go now to South Sudan, where U.S. President Barack Obama has warned that uh, South Sudan is on the brink of a civil war. This comes after clashes in the capital, Juba, spread around the country. At least 500 people are believed to have died since last weekend. Three Indian uh, peacekeepers were killed yesterday when a U.N. base came under attack. For more on this now, we joined on the line by uh, our correspondent in South Sudan, David Lomuria. Good afternoon to you, David. Good afternoon to you. 
Bring us up to speed with the situation in South Sudan right now. We see also uh, Britons are being evacuated. We hear now of the U.S. President Barack Obama warning that uh, that country is on the brink of a civil war. And uh, also we heard uh, the U.N. really not able to tell us exactly what is going on there. They're saying it's a confusing situation. What can you tell us? What he tells is that there is conflict in Juba and in South Sudan. Now, in Juba, it began on Sunday last week when Mahfami took to their fellow army fighting the faction with Yangrayan to the former vice president, Yair Kamachan. And this conflict of mine got out of balance and now it's gone. It's now affecting the civilian population. The war has taken a terrible inclination. Now the civilians are fighting against each other. The dominant tribe that is the builder and the mother are fighting each other and they fear. And now the conflict spread over to all of the country. In all the towns in, in Portugal, where you think these two, these two dominant tribes, um, they are known, there's no conflict. People like people that in 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 the and in the no conflict fighting each other in the hands and Okay, all right, uh, D- David, David, the line is, uh, is, is very bad there. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to have to leave it at that and, or at least try and uh, get you back on the line. David uh, Lomuria there, who is uh, our correspondent in South Sudan, but just uh, telling us that uh, the situation is really, really bad across the country right now. It's not only confined in Juba, uh, but uh, it's uh, across uh, South Sudan. Let's uh, stay uh, on the continent. The U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Samantha Power, urged the leaders of the strife-torn Central African Republic to stop the recent cycle of violence. Power was uh, speaking after meeting uh, Central African Republic's uh, interim president, uh, Michael Jodota, there, and the other leaders in the capital, Bangui, where she also visited victims of the attacks. She says it's essential that those who are behind the violence in the Central African Republic be held accountable. For the latest situation in the Central African Republic, we are joined on the line by the Deputy Head of uh, the Coordination of uh, Humanitarian Affairs, Abdullahi Sawadogo. Uh, Mr. Sawadogo, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Let, let's start with uh, the humanitarian side right now. Uh, we know that uh, the, 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 uh, the, the fighting is continuing in uh, the CAR. The country is not stable yet. But uh, from, from where you're sitting, how are you dealing with the issues of uh, humanitarian there? Yeah, I think that uh, the, the, as you say, you know, the situation is uh, still volatile. You know, in terms of uh, the security side, and uh, the population uh, remain, you know, the main victim of the political and the security crisis uh, in uh, in Syria. You know, and uh, a, 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 a high number of population is affected by uh, the situation. And uh, now we have estimated, uh, you know, about uh, 637,000 IDPs uh, countrywide, and more than uh, 200 is only in Bangui, in the different sites. And uh, the situation is getting worse every day, and uh, the humanitarian actors are scaling up uh, the operation and also the capacity to respond to, to the that. The humanitarian actors, they are already on the ground responding to those needs, but the need of getting uh, 
increase every day, and uh, we are scaling up uh, our operation in this country. All of the humanitarian actors to respond to that. And uh, the situation was made worse by rebels, we told, that were blocking uh, the, the supply of uh, humanitarian to, to refugee camps. Can you, can you tell us about that? Is it, uh, has that uh, situation improved? Are you able to move freely to supply uh, humanitarian needs to, to, to refugee camps? Yeah, yeah, you can hear it because the land is not very good. I'm saying there were reports of rebels blocking uh, the supply uh, to refugee camps. Have you been able to, to clear that? Are you able now to reach all the camps uh, that are there in the Central African Republic to, to, to give the humanitarian uh, supplies? Now, we had, uh, you know, a few days ago, some of the difficulty in the site, at the airport, where, uh, you know, some of the people... Uh, I blocked uh, the humanitarian assistance, you know, it's, uh, you know, they are complaining, everybody wants to be shared, of course, but uh, it was not possible uh, to to do the assistance and we stop it. But, uh, you know, later on we had some discussion with, uh, you know, the IDPs on the site, and now we are deploying, you know, some facilitators over in the site, we discuss with uh, some of the leaders uh, even the site to be able to better organize the assistance. I think that we are continuing to do the assistance. In some of the cases, it is very difficult because uh, people are in need for a few days and uh, they need to be shared, they need to be assisted, and it's understandable that we are working with them to be able to better organize the assistance that everybody can be assisted. All right, we're going to have to leave it at that. Uh, the line is not uh, too great there to Abdullah Sawadogo who is uh, the head uh, of, uh, deputy head of uh, the uh, coordination of humanitarian affairs. It's uh, 12 and a half minutes to one. This is Midday Live, SFM 104 to 107. In a special sitting of the United Nations General Assembly in New York, departed former President Nelson Mandela has been described as a man who moved a nation, a continent and the world around him. Through his actions. In a packed room, the World's Assembly expressed its collective sympathy to the Mandela family, the people, and the government of South Africa by honoring what the President of the General Assembly called a glorious life. Sean Bryce Peace was there and sent us this report. I called to order a special meeting of the General Assembly dedicated to the life and memory of His Excellency Nelson Mandela. The world continues to pay tribute to Madiba, every nation acknowledging the reach and impact of a life lost but a legacy secured, led by the President of the General Assembly, John Ash. Let us honor Nelson Mandela by letting his legacy live on in our continuing struggle against poverty, injustice, and the destruction of the human person and human spirit, and by setting an example for our children and our children's children that allows them to see and emulate the best virtues which reside within members of the human family. In one of his many tributes, the UN chief Ban Ki-moon reflected on his recent visit to South Africa and the memorial in Johannesburg. There were kings and queens, presidents and prime ministers and foreign ministers, many thousands, tens of thousands of people united in tribute. The skies over Soweto opened up. As if in blessing, 
The rain came down all day long. It was a reminder that there can be no rainbow without rain. So together, in Nelson Mandela's Rainbow Nation, we mourned the tragic loss and celebrated a triumphant life. The first and only black mayor of New York, David Dinkins, who hosted Madiba in the city in 1990, talked about our good fortune to have lived in his lifetime. Perhaps once in a generation, a man, a movement, and a moment come together on a mission for freedom that is so powerful, so courageous, so just that all the guns and dogs, hatred and violence, deprivation and force that can be mustered cannot turn them back. It has been our good fortune that this moment came within our lifetimes and a great blessing that it came in the person of Nelson Mandela. Archbishop Desmond Tutu was larger than life in his video message to the assembly. Can you imagine what would have happened to our country if the Nelson Mandela who walked out in 1990 had been consumed by anger and bitterness and a lust for revenge and retribution? Our country would have gone up in smoke. But as he explained, the only ember was Madiba's, one that burned brightly for 95 years, thanks in part to the work done at the United Nations. May I start by thanking you and this institution <clears throat> because it was because of your wonderful support of our anti-apartheid struggle when you imposed a ban on South African goods and suspended the membership of the Republic of South Africa that you gave a huge impetus to that struggle. Imagine if Nelson Mandela had died in prison. So we, we thank you for having helped to release him. And so at this place the work continues to reduce hunger, injustice and hatred with inspiration by no means lacking. Sherman Bryceby's SABC News at the United Nations, New York. There you have it and uh, Lebo Hang Dube is with me in the studio here. We talk sport, usually we do it with uh, Janet but Janet is away. Lebo Hang, how's it? Good afternoon, Bonnie, and good afternoon to the listener. Okay, it's a, it's an eventful. It's been an eventful week, but uh, a whole lot of other things happening going uh, into the weekend. There's cricket going on, but where do you want to start? Mm. No, I think maybe I'll start with the recap. You know, uh, with with Amajita, the under twenty winning the Kwasafa Cup uh, last week, uh, winning beating Kenya two 0 there, winning it after a long time. It's been a long time. They haven't won it. Um, and, uh, you know, restoring some pride for, for the country. And just to move on, Basitana as well, the under 20, uh, women's team will be playing against Tanzania tomorrow at the Dobsonville Stadium. Um, they go in there with the 4-1 cushion. Um, and as we know that only two African countries can represent, uh, the continent at the World Cup. Mm. Now, if they win tomorrow, they either play against Tunisia or Nigeria. Nigeria. Yes. And then from there, uh, the, the team that, uh, <laughs> the team that was, will, will represent, uh, Africa. And we hope that they'll represent South Africa at the, uh, under 20 World Cup, which is in, which is next year. And then coming to Bafana Fana news, we know that, uh, yesterday was the announcement that they'll be playing Bafana, uh, um, Brazil, who are, 
hosting the World Cup, and that match will be taking place in March. I think it will be an interesting one. Um, we've just played Spain, we beat them, and we hope that uh, <laughs> we'll do well as well against uh, That's pushing. <laughs> against, against Brazil. And then on a sad note, uh, Zolama Hobe, the former Mamelodi Sundowns boss, passed away uh, this past weekend and he was laid to rest on Sunday. Um, Hobe was created with turning Sundowns into a powerhouse it is today when he came on board in the mid 1980s. And then from there, we had MTN Kubeka, road cyclist Louis Menkis, was named the best African rider of the year after coming out top in a poll of African cyclists. Um, that was good news for, for, for Louis Menkis and mm. for, for South Africa uh, in terms of road cycling. Okay. And then, uh, you know, the UEFA Champions League draw that took place as well. Interesting, Arsenal <laughs> against Bayern Munich. I heard this actually oh, said that they were, it's, it's the end of the road. It's the end of the road. Yeah. What makes Trust you, me. Let me now ask you, what makes you think it is the end of the road? If if they get hammered 6-3 by Man City, yes, they are on a free-scoring spree, the, the Man, Man, Man City, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they're they, they, they going to relinquish the lead this this week, this Monday yeah. against Chelsea. <laughs> and then then they will come, uh, what, say West Ham as well. Okay. It's not easy. No, we'll see. Okay. I know. <laughs> Manchester City, uh, uh, FC Barcelona. Uh, another interesting match will be, I think it will be Galatasaray against Chelsea in that uh, UEFA, UEFA draw. Mm. But now, coming into what's been happening, the cricket, day three of the first test between South Africa and uh, India at the Wanderers. Um, we know, I mean, the first day South Africa bowlers were not were not on a roll, and yesterday they were on a roll, but I think now it's up to the batsmen to take the advantage. And then from there moving it is a PSL action. Mamluri Sundowns will be up against Marisbeck this uh, this evening. They hope to topple Kaiser Chiefs who uh, who yesterday won. Um, we'll see if that will happen. And then Orlando Pirates on Sunday against Golden Arrows. Orlando Pirates and these these are the last round of matches uh, before the Christmas Christmas uh, going to the Christmas break. Okay. Um, so Sunday I think Pirates will have eight games and there'll still be seven games. They'll still have seven games in hand. I think they're moving steadily now. Up there, it I think some teams up there at the top are very scared now, <laughs> getting worried. Yeah, but those are I many. That's the basically that's happening this uh, weekend. It's soccer and cricket. There's nothing much. It's Christmas. It's festive season. Um, okay. Amazulu Kaiser Chiefs on Sunday. Um, Polokwane City Super Sport United uh, tomorrow evening. So those are the interesting games okay. uh, to look forward to. All right, Lebhan, thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but uh, thanks, uh, Emilian, for coming through. So, Sundowns can tip topple Kaiser Chiefs at the top, if they win, by the way, tonight at half past seven. All right, time now for Create. Create is proudly presented by Business and Arts South Africa, bringing the business of the arts and the art of business together. As the year comes to an end, the theatre industry has unfortunately lost one of its greats. Actor, playwright, director and chef Peter Hayes passed away last Friday. His work as an actor and director has travelled internationally and Hayes was respected amongst the theatre community for his innovative work, especially when it came to gay rights and gay activism. Jacqueline Domiser co-founded the Hearts and Eyes Theatre Collective with Peter Hayes. I will always remember about Peter was his courage and his integrity, you know, as an artist, he was incredibly courageous and integrous and as a friend and as a human being those are the two words that really stand out for me about his life Dr. J. Pathos from UCT has said of him that he was ahead of his time in the 90s and he forged 
gay theatre as a genre in this country. He was one of the first. He was totally innovative. It was certainly a genre that was happening in other parts of the world, but he was one of the first people who was really telling gay stories, telling out gay stories in the theatre world. Ishmael Mohammed is the festival director of the National Arts Festival. Peter Hayes has been one of those remarkable artists who was able to combine his wonderful talents as a writer, as a director, as a performer, but also be able to engage a diversity of different art forms together with a very committed consciousness about who we are as people and was able to bring excellence to the stage. I think his death, which comes so suddenly, comes a shock to all of us, but I also think it leaves a massive vacuum in our theatre industry, particularly at a time where we all are beginning to ask, what is the role of theatre in terms of the way we begin to reflect, question, and challenge our society? I think Peter was an advocate, and we need to find somebody stepping into his shoes to continue that legacy. You know, his work, Get Hard, which was probably one of the earliest works that it did, which brought a very, very strong focusness around issues of sexuality, I think it happened at the right time. It was around the turn uh, to democracy in our country, where issues around sexuality on stage were coming to the fore for the very, very first time. It was also the time where, as a nation, we were beginning to deal with it because gay rights was integrated into our constitution. For me, one of the strongest works of recent time is this play, Misa, which brought the spotlight on violence against black lesbians. Peter was able to focus on the human lives of people who are involved in conflict and conflicting situations. And to be able to bring that out onto our stage in a very, very creative way, engage us intellectually, engage us emotionally, but leave us wanting to walk out of that theater saying that I can do something as well. And I think for me that speaks a lot for the kind of theater that Peter did, is that it's not just Claudia's theater which makes you go like, oh wow, I've learned something. Peter's theater provoked you to take a stand. And so as the year comes to an end, we must pay tribute and say humbagatle to actor Peter Hayes, who has given many people much joy and has certainly been a feature of the South African theater environment. I'm Michelle Constant. This feature was produced by Monique Stunder, and you can email me on create at barsa.co.za. Create, proudly brought to you by Business and Arts South Africa, creating new opportunities for business arts partnerships. Email create at barsa.co.za. And that does it for your midday live this year, 2013. We shall see you on the 6th of uh, January 2014. Please be safe, drive safely, arrive alive, and drive to survive. Till then, bye-bye.